As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest post-game head of the pack. I'm in a different country than Bill right now. I'm in London. Bill's back in Wisconsin. Uh, Giants 27, Packers 22. There are a number of places we can start with this one. I was thinking, Bill, I put out a call for questions seven minutes ago. I already have 44 responses. Um, I was thinking most of the stuff we'll cover on our own will be covered in the answers to those questions anyway. So we can just go right into that if that's okay with you. All right, let's go. Anything anything strike your fancy? Yeah, uh, from Thomas Genswill. Do you view this loss as the punch in the mouth the Packers need to get into championship form, or is this just who the 2022 Packers are? Take it away. Great question. That's a great, absolutely great question. I think it's who they are, right? Um, look, didn't, didn't we talk about all this last week in a, after a victory? That this is a flawed team. The offense is struggling. The defense has been underwhelming. Nothing has changed. We keep waiting for these guys to round in the form, and maybe they will, but through five games. And look, the offense wasn't very good during training camp, so we're going back to August. The offense is not very good. The defense has been disappointing. This is who they are until further notice, Matt. What say you? I think so, too. I mean, after week one, I believe we said, you know, this is concerning for the defense, but until it happens twice, three times, then it doesn't become a concern. It's concerning, not a concern. Um, same thing with the offensive struggles. But guess what? It's happened a couple times now. You know, I, I won't go as far to say the offense disappeared for an entire half against the Vikings because they did have that one nice drive um, where A.J. Dillon didn't convert the fourth and goal from the one. I'm talking halves where they get literally nothing. Happened in Buccaneers' second half. Happened uh, Patriots' first half. Happened today in the second half. And then with the defense, happened against Justin Jefferson in week one. Happened, you know, against the Patriots at times. Happened today in the second half. Like, it's just wildly inconsistent. And I said in my story today, if the worst special teams unit from just a year ago is the most reliable phase of your team. 
That's not good. The offense and defense just vanish at times. And until further notice, like you said, this is just who the Packers are. Listen, we knew, we didn't know for certain, but we anticipated that winning ugly would would bite them in the ass. You know, they've been playing with fire all season, and, and today they got burned. Till further notice, this is just who they are. And listen, maybe maybe they need to go into the playoffs if they make the playoffs. Six seed, ten and seven, eleven and six. Maybe that's better than going in with a with a buy and all those expectations. Who knows? Yeah, Matt. You know, maybe you're right because that's how they won the Super Bowl back in in 2010. Defensively, look, there's like 800 defense questions here. This is what's dumbfounding, Matt. What happened to these guys? They kicked the crap out of Rodgers throughout training camp, which maybe means nothing now, right, considering what we've seen in the regular season. But the Saints were in town for two days. They kicked the crap out of them. They're talking trash to everybody. Um, To their credit, they never said that they were great. They all said that they had the potential to be great. So I I don't want to say that they were counting their chickens here. But why is this defense not very good, Matt? Is it – are we all thinking too highly of the personnel? Is Joe Brady not a good coordinator? This is dumbfounding me. Look, the Giants had a quarterback with a bad ankle. They had their star running back miss the series, and they drove 91 yards for a touchdown. Their top three receivers were out today. And they couldn't stop him, Matt. What are you seeing? I, it's easy to say it's Joe Barry's fault, and maybe it is, but I look at the personnel, I don't I don't know where the flaw is. So what, what, what are you seeing? Uh, some things that jump out on paper right away is their all-pro inside linebacker is playing nowhere near an all-pro level, which we discussed last week. Um, Bill Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes, man, it's rough. Maybe I'm just reacting like that and maybe i'm just looking at the plays where they're involved on because i understand with secondary play if you don't get thrown at that means you're good and when you're not getting thrown at i'm not watching you live during a game most of the time but how many times have other teams run a crossing route or any sort of route this year and eric stokes has been a step behind the packers can't cover crossing routes i mean you've been on that for weeks matt you've been on that for weeks to your credit they can't cover crossers at all Darnell Savage is a step behind in coverage. He missed two egregious tackles today. One, I think he felt like he got pushed in the back on the run up the middle. But um, he had the one on the 41-yard Barkley catch-and-run where he just missed him in the open field. Mm-hmm. Had a missed tackle last week on Barkley's long run out of the Wildcat to start the game. Campbell and Savage were too slow to cut it off like the three guys I'm looking at right now are Campbell, Savage, and Stokes. Rasul Douglas didn't have a good game today. I understand that. But I was talking about this with Rob Domofsky. They might have to put him back on the outside. I'm not, I, like, is the solution to bench Eric Stokes? Would you, would Goody allow that? <laughs> because he's his first-round pick from a year ago. But Keyshawn Nixon looked good. Do you go Douglas, Alexander, and Nixon? Jair didn't have his best game today, but it wasn't as bad as the other guys. I mean, where I start is the secondary. The pass rush... That was supposed to be the best thing, Matt. That was supposed to be the best part of their defense. Right. The pass rush has been solid for the most part. Uh, Gary had a sack. Jaron Reed had a sack wiped out by Rasul Douglas holding. And then Rasul Douglas had a questionable, if you want to call it that, unnecessary roughness. The secondary is where I start. On paper, this was supposed to be the best cornerback group one of the best secondaries in the league. They have been far, far from it. 
not just miscommunications, but lack of skill. It's alarming. And they have to pay Darnell Savage like nine, ten million bucks next year. They have to, because they exercise his fifth year option. That's a guaranteed salary. That's not good. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about that one a couple of weeks ago up in the office. That was a questionable call. And yeah, I mean, I look, I get it. Tackling Saquon Barkley is really hard. But you've got to you've got to grab you've got to grab a leg and hold on for dear life for, for guys to come. You know, Amos didn't look great on Barkley's long run, but he slowed him down and made the play, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you got to do. That was, he's, we talked about this, Matt. How many plays has he made? It's not very many, right? In three and a half seasons now, he has not made a lot of plays in front of him just to trip that trick, trip that. Look, we're, we're very way off course here. I get it. But man, that secondary is, yeah, look, there goes Darius Slayton right now. He's wide open on a crosser, Matt. Golly. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Daniel Jones, the Giants fans want to run him out of town. And Galladay's hurt, Tony's hurt, and the Ricky Wendell Robinson's hurt. I mean, God, who's ever heard of those guys in the receiver court there, and they're wide open for most of Sunday? Yeah. And listen, they did really well against the Bears and Buccaneers. And I understand I wrote at the time, you still got to be proud of the win against the Buccaneers because it's Tom Brady. Yes, that's fine. But you haven't had to cover any receivers in two out of the last three weeks, and you played a third-string quarterback last week. The real te- This is the easy part of the schedule. Yes, it is. And if they can't get through this, then, oh boy, I don't know what it's going to be like later in the season. All right, let's get to a second question. Yeah. The, hey, by the <clears> way, <throat> the Jets put up 40 against Miami today. Yeah. 40. And they're coming to town. So there's a lot of there's a lot of run game questions here. This one's from Robert Wingo, which probably wraps up pretty good. Why not run the ball with AJ Dillon on third and fourth down unnecessary with two yards to gain and clock to run in the last drive of the game? Why two passes? Beats me, Robert. I mean, what? Listen, it's easy to pick apart decisions where they pass and it doesn't work out. If they run, if they run it and it doesn't work out, we should. Oh, you should have passed it. They're, the Giants stack the box. What are you doing? But the sequence that sticks out to me when talking about the run game and straying away from it is after the Giants tied the game twenty to twenty. Packers went deep incomplete to Lazard, deep incomplete to Lazard, deep incomplete to Cobb on three of their next four offensive plays spanning uh, two drives. And I mean, that can get into a whole nother discussion, but up until that point, the Packers had run 15 times for 69 yards, so 4.6 yards per carry. That's that's pretty good. You, you run for 4.6 yards on every play, you score a touchdown on every drive. It might take a while, but you score a touchdown on every drive. I don't know if they strayed away from the run as egregiously as they have in the past, but the five times they ran it after... Those three failed deep shots, five carries for 25 yards. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are very efficient running backs. You know what's not efficient? The Packers' deep passing game. Here's a stat from Next Gen Stats. Rodgers went 0 of 6 today on passes of at least 20 air yards downfield. That was the most such passes he's thrown incomplete without a completion in a game since 2016 against the Giants. I wouldn't say they don't have a deep threat. Dobbs and Watson can take the top off the defense, 
but you need guys who can take the top off the defense and also catch the ball and also track it. Watson dropped the one week one. He couldn't track the one last week. Dobbs dropped the one last week. And I wrote this today. For all the talk about Devontae Adams leaving, and justifiably so, there's been little to no talk, and I understand I'm saying, you know, from media, and yeah, it's partially my fault, our fault. MVS leaving takes away the the one of the best guys to take the top off in the league. Yes, he had his problems with hands at times, but there was always a threat to take the top off. Teams knew he could do that. There's nobody on the Packers who should scare you like that right now. And that makes things so much easier for the defense. Sure does. Um, I'm, I want to get to Robert's thing on third and fourth down. I, I think the good point that Robert made here is the time. If you run the ball, you drain some of the clock, right? So you can, assuming they don't go for two, they kick, they, they want to kick for the, they go to overtime. If you run the ball, you're at least burning off some of the clock. They never, they never stopped Dylan. I believe it was Cody Krupp who had talked to Aaron Jones after the game, and Jones would have bet. I think he used the, I think he used the phrase he'd have bet money on him or AJ scoring on on those plays or or getting the necessary two yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, I we don't see it. Rodgers sees at the line of scrimmage, you know, tendencies and all those things, but boy. I, I, you, you got How many times have they said you got to put the ball in your best guy's hands? And that is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And to your point, Matt, about the receivers, Lazard has made a bunch of plays. Cobb's made a bunch of plays. Dobbs made a bunch of plays. But they just don't do it enough, do they, Matt? No. Is, and isn't that the fatal flaw? Is who there's there's no there's nobody that's reliable, which is why they can go score twenty points and a half one game and then do like they did today and get zero. There's just nobody they can rely on to consistently get something accomplished through the air. So, I, and, and here we are, Watson's out with a hamstring again. So, I mean, he's, his rookie season's going down the drain in a hurry. Yeah, I would agree. Next, from Aaron Stevens, is it Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers that freaks out when it's close and starts throwing wildly as opposed to running the ball? It's, you know, uh, there are a couple of these questions. And the same goes for the defensive side of the ball. It's so hard from an outsider's perspective to tell where the blame lies. There was another question from from our good pal Dusty Evely, who's the best Packers film guy on Twitter. If you don't follow him, follow him. Who asked, I know they always play coy, but what's your sense in how often Rodgers changes the call outside of the RPO game? I know he said that he can change it whenever he wants, but how often do you think that's the case? I'm kind of lumping those two questions together because it's so hard to tell what lies on Rodgers, what lies on LaFleur, and they're never going to be fully honest with us, probably. But I think my guess is that Rodgers doesn't change the play as much as he might have under Mike McCarthy. That's just a wild guess. Um, but I just don't know. And it's it's impossible to tell. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but the same thing goes for the defense where is it play call? Is it personnel? Is it game plan? Is it execution? For all we know, on all these miscommunications and these plays where Stokes and Savage are a step behind, yes, granted, there are those plays where they're playing soft where they shouldn't. I understand that. 
But for all we know, Joe Barry could be doing everything he possibly can, and his guys are just not executing. It's easy to blame Joe Barry instead of blaming all the 11 guys. I'm not trying to absolve Joe Barry of any blame, but the same thing goes for Rodgers and LaFleur. Like, when they're not running it, is that Rodgers canning and going to a pass play? Is it him sticking with LaFleur's call because he doesn't want to piss LaFleur off? We just don't know. And it's so, if I knew those things, I would be the highest paid beat writer in the world because I'd be giving you guys information that nobody else can give you. But we just don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, God, can you imagine a press conference? Can you imagine standing at Roger's locker on Wednesday and, and asking him 10 questions about, did you can this? Did you can that? I mean, that that, that would be hell. So, no, we'll, we'll never know. Um, because, I'm, frankly, I'm not going to ask him. You know, I'm, I might ask him on, on a play here and there, but out of 60 plays in a game, golly. Um, so, and those, the batted balls, LaFleur's asked about it. He goes, we had a run-pass option on, and they loaded the box and went cover zero. And we figured that's what they were going to do. Unfortunately, had two padded passes. So that, to me, means, reading into that, I would say that Rodgers, whether it was the play was a pass or not, Rodgers did the right thing by going to the passer. Is that a fair breakdown of that, do you think, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I and I do think that, again, I, I can't say that I took copious notes on what the Giants are doing on every single snap, watching it live, but it did seem like they had more guys at the line to take away Jones and Dylan and forced Rodgers and those guys to throw the ball, maybe more than we've seen this year. Again, that's just my sense watching it live. Maybe, again, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Um, and maybe you saw maybe you saw things differently. I don't think I did. We were watching the same game. I might have been there, but we were watching the same game. Here, it, yeah, here's, you know, here's <clears> another <throat> one, too. I think the, um, why did Green Bay pass the ball so often? LaFleur. It just depended on what they were giving us. Like I said, we had a lot of run pass cans, and a can, if you don't know people, an audible. Rogers has a plane, is a play that's called any can, switches something else. Yes. So, like I said, we had a lot of run pass cans, and they played a lot of single high, and again, single high means a safety down the box, and it manned up on us. Here, it's do it's it's so yeah, it's either run it's either run into a loaded box or throw the ball. So they threw the ball. Here's my thing, Bill, and. And I'm looking at John Kuhn on Twitter right now, and he's having a conversation with our pal Zach Cruz about running into stacked boxes. And essentially, John's argument is no coach has ever said, let's take the path of least resistance. A lot of coaches say we make our own damn path. And going off what you just said, and I'm going to throw in another stat, Next Gen Stats had Rodgers at 2.09 seconds average time to throw in the first half. The lowest such time and a half for any quarterback since Ben Roethlisberger in 2020. Here's my thing. That quick passing game was working really well in the first half. And then they start taking deep shots. And they don't get as much rhythm on offense. And you just mentioned LaFleur saying, well, it was based on what they gave us. You have the back-to-back MVP as your quarterback. You have one of the most dynamic running backs in the league. You dictate what happens. You, know, I understand you have to react to the defense and what they give you. But guess what? You have one of the best quick-passing quarterbacks maybe of all time. If the Giants are pressing your guys at the line and you can't throw that screen to the flat or... 
that run alert isn't open, run a quick slant. Do something. Like, just because the Giants are causing a minor inconvenience for you doesn't mean you have to completely alter your game plan and get out of your comfort zone. You're the Green Bay Packers. You have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and a stellar offensive line. And I understand the pass catching core isn't anything to write home about, but you have capable pass catchers. You set the tone. We we shouldn't be sitting here, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. We shouldn't be sitting here saying, well, the Giants got the Packers out of their comfort zone, and Wink Martindale did this, so the Packers had to do this. No, it should be Aaron Rodgers did this, so Wink Martindale had to do this. What like what are we talking about here? Yeah, that's a great point, Matt. Because how many times have you seen, you know, when you talk about Tom Brady, well, oh, I should, you know, like with Mike Patton or even Joe Barry last year, if you if you go to three or four wides, you bring in extra DBs. That's the offense dictating the defense to get what they want. So that's what you're saying. You got Aaron Rodgers. The hell with what those guys are doing, right? So that makes sense. Um, but at some point, this goes back to what you're talking about earlier with, with the deep passing game. They've got to hit on some of those because that's what you saw in the second half as the Giants just took that stuff away. They took away the quick game because nobody believes that the Packers can complete passes downfield. And it's awful hard to run quick game if the DBs are in your grill. Correct. So they, they so it, it is all tied together. They, they've got to make some plays downfield. But by the same token, just run the damn ball. Because just because they have a man in the box doesn't mean you can't run the ball. Just can be a little bit harder. But there's there's nothing wrong with gaining four yards. Correct. Listen, I it's better than zero, Matt. Four is better than zero. I understand wanting to take a shot. I understand that. But it feels like it's forced right now in this offense. And listen, I'm hesitant yeah. to say anything is forced because obviously Rodgers knows far better than I do about what he can and can't do. But especially that one drive and other times throughout the game, it just seems forced. That's not who the Packers are this year. They don't have Devontae Adams and MVS to make a big play whenever they can. That's just not who they are. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
Here's another interesting question. Did nobody suggest that it might be a better idea to arrive in London earlier in the week? Now, this is a this was a lose-lose scenario for the Packers because when I covered the Raiders in 2018, they came over for the whole week and got their doors blown off by the Seattle Seahawks. Granted, the Raiders were garbage that year, but still. Rodgers hinted on Pat McAfee that he would have liked to come over for the whole week, but at the same token... There is no direct correlation between when teams arrive in London and how they play. It really does not matter. What was concerning, though, not concerning, maybe not even alarming, because he might have just said it casually, is when I talked to Jair Alexander one-on-one after the game, he said, we just look tired out there. We were tired. I said, was it the trip? He goes, yeah, it was the trip. Well, guess what? I didn't say this back to him. Guess what, Jair? You know who you know who else had to make the same trip? The team that punched you guys in the mouth for the second half of the game. Sure, the time difference was one hour less and and they didn't have to fly seven hours, they had to fly six. But the team that wills it in the second half doesn't get to blame the flight and being tired. The Giants flew over here the same time, pretty much. Maybe we could entertain that discussion if the Giants were here for the whole week, but they weren't. And guess what? Even if they were, Matt LaFleur had this genius plan that he couldn't share with us out of competitive advantage. What they were going to do when they got over here, how they were changing their schedule. He was grouchy all week about having to go to London. That was no secret. And, and very coy about their plans to counter all the time difference and change stuff like that out of competitive advantage well there was no competitive advantage and clearly if your best cornerback is saying that you were still tired what you were hiding from us wasn't good enough in the first place well said matt i got nothing to add to that other than that's just excuse making matt isn't it isn't that a player just trying to explain away that they got their tail kicked in against a team that they never should have lost to and it's an easy it's an easy crutch to come up with with that i don't know yeah, I don't, I, I don't buy the travel stuff whatsoever. Bill, do you remember three seasons ago when they got their doors blown off at the Chargers and at uh, the 49ers in a three-week span in 2019? And then Rodgers took the podium. I believe it was the Wednesday after they lost to the Chargers, and he said some of the guys didn't handle themselves. They went out on a Friday, I believe, and he said some of the guys probably didn't handle themselves as well as they should have on the West Coast road trip going out a day early. And everyone took that to mean, oh, they went out. I don't know what he meant. And then there was all the talk. I I can't remember if they actually did change uh, their travel plans for later in the year, even the next year. But Lafleur brought it up too, like, we'll look into changing travel. Guess what, Bill? Good football travels. Great teams play well regardless of where they play, regardless of where they have to fly to. These excuses, justifications, whatever you want to call it, about going to the West Coast or going to London, you just weren't playing good football. And guess what? That 2019 season when they were making those excuses, they were a good team, not a great team. I understand they were the two seed and they lost in the NFC Championship game. But everyone knows the 49ers were so far ahead of them that year. Kind of gave me the same same vibes leaving that stadium today. Really? 
this Packers team, they have six potential pro bowlers on defense. Alexander, Clark, Gary, Campbell. I'd even throw Rasul in there. He was a pro bowl alternate last year. Adrian Amos, maybe even. And guess, maybe even Preston Smith if he's playing well. That's seven guys who could sniff the pro bowl. And they're making excuses about being tired because they had to travel? Come on. I agree. It's, it just seems like they're, they're trying to be too cute and too smart with all this stuff. You know, changing hotels and, and top secret travel plans. I mean, what? Seriously, that, that is so stupid, man. When he couldn't talk about the travel or the schedule, what, what the what the bleep? Jesus. You're not reinventing, the, you're coaching a football team. You're not invading Normandy, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Up next, let's get a couple more in here. This has been some some good discussion. Bill, you, you from Simon Wilding, what did you make of the London experience? There you go, Matt. Yeah, you know, like I said, I was here for a full week last time I came in 2018, so I was able to get out and do more, um, see the town, walk around, see the fan bars. Um, this week I flew in, arrived late Friday night, uh, pretty much went right to my hotel, uh, my entire family's here, my mom, dad, brother, and sister, because it's my parents' 29th anniversary today. And I went to the Chelsea-Wolverhampton game with them yesterday, which was phenomenal. I mean, if you haven't been to an English Premier League game, you got to go. It's a fantastic environment. Uh, Captain America, Christian Pulisic scored. And then today, I just covered the game. I have not I, I have a friend, shout out Lauren Helmbrecht, who... Uh, works for WFRV in Green Bay, recently got the job. She used to live in London, and she sent me and a couple others a list of things to do here. Like, put together a Google Doc. God bless your soul. And I just haven't been able to get to do any of it because I was with my family and now covering the game, and I've been trying to keep my body on central time because I'm only here for a couple of days, so I don't want to have to readjust then when I go back to Green Bay tomorrow um, or today whenever you're listening to it. So I've been going to bed at like 4 or 5 a.m. and waking up at 11 so I can just stay on Central Time. I would have loved to get out and see the town more, but with family here, that's not a bad thing. I love my family. Um, And the game taking up my whole Sunday, I haven't really gotten out to do much, but I'm a London fan. So this is an an open-air press box today, right? So what's the better environment, that soccer game or today? Soccer game. Yeah. You know, actually, I shouldn't say that. It's different. Environment today was awesome. I love the open-air press box. Um, There were 61,000 people there. Granted, last time I was at Wembley, there were 90,000. But the press box is basically like a row in the stands. It's fenced off, pretty much. But it's in the stands. There's no end closing. It's not even like an open-air press box like in Minnesota or Detroit, where it's an indoor stadium, and there's the typical press box and then it's just an open window. You're literally like a row in the stands here, and it's awesome because you you feel like you're part of the environment. It was a heavy, Packers-heavy crowd. Um, Like the Giants returners got booed when they came out on the field for pregame warm-ups. Lots of Packers jerseys, you know, in the blocks leading up to the stadium. The Premier League game, it's different because they're chanting and making noise nonstop, even when there are lulls in the action. In the NFL, there's only crescendos in the crowd when big big plays happen. The, the soccer game, it was a, a much more compact stadium at Stamford Bridge uh, at Chelsea. 
But I'm a big soccer fan, always have been, big fan of the Premier League. It's just two very different experiences. So I won't compare them, but both were awesome, I I would say, just as an observer. Back to football. Uh, I think people care more about England, but anyways. (laughs) Let's Let's do two more questions. Do you think they'll fire Joe Barry? There's a whole bunch of these things. So I there's I I probably read five while you're talking about angle. I probably read probably five questions. Like here we go. If from from Nate Fletcher, if Joe Barry were fired, who could realistically come in midseason to replace him? So I guess A, do you think it's even remotely possible? And B they'd hire in house, right? So who who do you think? Um No, I don't think they're close to firing Joe Barry. Now if games like today happen for another two months, it's possible. But, like I said earlier, Matt LaFleur knows who gets most of the blame, whether it's players or Joe Barry. We don't know that on the outside. So this could be a completely misguided prediction. But I will say, at the end of the day, it is a coach's job to get the most out of his players. Sure, some of that could be a player's simply a lack of ability. And guess what? Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes might have a lack of ability, and there's nothing Joe Barry can do to get Eric Stokes to keep up with a guy on a crossing route. Whether it's fair or not, though, Bill, we know in this business there has to be a scapegoat when things go terribly wrong. And let me preface this. The Packers are 3-2. and two. They have a winning record. That's fine. But our job is to not overreact, but analyze every loss. And if this kind of thing keeps happening against the Jets, against the Commanders, against the Bills, against the Lions, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Barry was on the hot seat. Would you? No, I don't. Um, man, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember the exact play, um, but it was first half. The Giants threw a quick pass out in the flat to a receiver. I don't even know the guy's name. He was on the practice squad. Some guy named Johnson. It was like second and 19. And he threw a pass out in the flat to his practice squad guy. And it was like 12 easy yards. And they got him in the field goal range. Jair must have been 10 yards off of him. It's Jair Alexander against a practice squad receiver. Why are you a mile off? I can't emphasize this. I can't emphasize this enough. Why are you a mile off a practice squad receiver? Is that Jair Alexander or is that Joe Barry? Is that the call? Or what the all-pro corner want to do. Again, I have no idea, right? But if you think you're good in the secondary, don't you have to challenge these guys? And, it's, you, know, it, you know, Darius Slayton running wide open on crossing routes all day. Get up and jam these guys. I don't know. It's the lack of adjustments to this. I mean, again, you've been all over this crossing routes thing for basically the entire season. And yet guys are still getting wide open, and that's where it's got to be the coaching, right? Why haven't you come up with the answer to this? Because teams just keep going to it again and again and again, and you keep giving up on it again and again and again. So, yeah, I, maybe he's on the hot seat, but, man, can you be LaFleur and have go from Mike Pettin to Joe Barry to, say, Jerry Gray in such a short span? You can't get rid of coordinators and, every and year because who, who the hell is going to be your next coordinator knowing that, boy, if I have a couple of bad games, I'm going to get shit-canned, Right. And no one wants to work for right. you. Right. Nobody wants to work for you if you're going to get shit canned after a couple of bad games. So that he, he is going to run into that. You can't keep firing guys. But yep. uh, the lack of adjustments on stuff like that, and again, having 
cornerbacks playing a mile off these guys um, is a little odd. And this is the last thing I'll say before we end this. LaFleur had the excuse with Mike Pettin that he wasn't yes. his guy. He does not have that excuse anymore. He hired Joe Barry. That's his handpicked guy. At least through the struggles with Mike Pettin, he could go, oh, I t- he was already on staff. He was McCarthy's guy. LaFleur can't say that anymore. Yep, because at some point, all those coaches of yours and all those chickens come home to roost, right? And I realize he's won a lot of football games stuck on about LaFleur, but... Um, and the, the LaFleur coaching tree with Luke Getze and Nathaniel Hackett, not looking too hot right now. No, it's not. And if you keep shit-canning your coaches, then it just becomes that, you know what, maybe you're only good because the quarterback is really good, and it kind of falls on you. So interesting... And we're not saying that's true. We're no. just saying let's keep an eye on all this down yep. the line. All right. Uh, I'm going to figure out how much sleep to get tonight, write another story, and then we'll talk to you guys next week after the Packers play Michael LaFleur, Robert Sala, and the New York Jets at home wearing their alternate jerseys. Maybe those are good luck. They're 1-0, and those beat mm-hmm. the uh, Washington football team last year. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, as always, for listening, sending in your questions. You guys are great listeners, readers. Uh, We appreciate you. Have a good one.